dissonance sounds bad, right? Like when we sing a harmony note that's not in the chord, or press an elbow into the piano, or play two scales exactly half a step apart at the same time. It just sounds wrong. But used well, dissonance also has the power to move us. Bear with me. This is a vocal lesson. You'll understand as we go. Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. First, what is dissonance? Two definitions according to an online dictionary go like this. Number one, a lack of harmony between musical notes. Number two, a tension or clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. Dissonance can be present from the micro to the macro, from intracellular activity of stress and illness to societal dysfunction and war. It can be both disturbing and powerful when present in music, alarming and strategic when present in voice. Let me tell you the story that got me thinking about dissonance. It's the story about a dissonant symphony. My husband, John, my son, Peter, and I went to hear our truly outstanding Nashville symphony on the season's opening night at the Schirmerhorn this year. John was formerly a percussionist in the Memphis Symphony, and Peter thought it was high time that we three attended together to see an orchestra at work and see what his father used to do. We thought we were going to hear Brahms, but before that gorgeous concerto, we were treated to a mind-blowing work by a contemporary composer named John Corgliano, his Symphony Number no. 1. Corgliano has won four Grammys, a Pulitzer Prize, and an Oscar Award, and serves on the composition faculty at Juilliard. Corgliano and our six-time Grammy-winning conductor, Giancarlo Guerrero, met the audience in the conference room for what they call conversations, where they introduced themselves and told the stories behind the music the orchestra was about to play. Just a delightful precursor to the show. John Corgliano's symphony was about rage, remembrance, sadness, and finally closure for the lives of the victims of AIDS, including three of his musician friends who had died of it back in the 80s, right when it was first discovered. To really go there, Corgliano used some very unique staging and instrumental choices. For instance, the very busy percussion section was in front of the horns. The horns were split at both sides of the stage instead of together. There were two timpani. And for one section, the violins actually used mandolin picks instead of bows. Dementia is one of the ways that AIDS tortures its victims. Periodically, a piano located just off stage where we couldn't see it could be faintly heard as the pianist played an old tune in such a way to depict memories that would fade, reappear, and then fade again, all while the orchestra continued to play. Throughout the work, there were sudden sounds of percussion bursts, 
cords dissolving like melting wax. And oh my, was there a dissonance. From time to time, it seemed like some sections would play in one key and some in another. And there was purposeful unsinking of rhythm. Overall, the effect was incredibly emotional. The composer and conductor had warned us that there would be an orchestral primal scream, and they did not disappoint. You could really feel the rage, sadness, and insanity. John and Peter and I would have loved to have seen the score. And finally, as the music simplified, you felt it come together like waves of the ocean in eternal release. After the well-earned standing ovation, I mentioned to my son, Peter, how very much I loved hearing the dissonance in that work, how refreshing it was to my ears. And he said something that I will never forget. He'd been reading this book called Sapiens and had read that dissonance moves you forward. I was instantly struck by that phrase. Googling it, I actually read many sites which talked about cognitive dissonance and the need to resolve it for happiness and mental and psychological health. Isn't dissonance what we fear? Is it not cousin to chaos? Doesn't it conjure up the frustrating moments of this does not compute? Yes, but the very discomfort and tension of dissonance makes you want to resolve it. If you let it, it can move you forward. Now I'd like to share some examples of dissonance in music, voice, and life. All right, first, the musical genres that most influence my own songs and style include singer-songwriter, a la James Taylor and Carole King, R&B, bluegrass and traditional country, rock, and classical art songs. I know, I'm a musical mutt. However, since college, I've always loved the ear-cleansing dissonant music of Bella Bartok, such as in his Suite for Piano, which, no, I can't play, <laughs> but I can sure listen to. It feels like fresh cold water on my musical imagination, and it frees me to be more creative in any genre, or even in my teaching. It just makes me more creative. My next thought about dissonance. Like great expressionist painting, at first sight, or listen, great atonal music can seem to be completely chaotic with no order. However, as former classical radio host Bob Weir explained in an article that he'd written for uh, the internet, totally random dissonance is not as interesting as structured dissonance. Isn't that fascinating? 12-tone music is explored in a video by the artist known as Byheart, and I've got a link to it at the bottom of this podcast. You might want to go check it out, although it is rather hyper-speeding. <laughs> it's fascinating for me to know that the most interesting atonal music, or dissonant music, requires great skill and actually has a math logic to it. My next thought Dissonant chords or melodic harmony pairings that move or resolve to harmonious chords and harmony choices create emotional strength. There's a funny story, which I'm sure is not true, 
about how Beethoven's mom used to play a 5-7 chord to wake her sleeping son, who couldn't stand it till he got up, went to the piano, and played the one chord or the tonic. There's another video that I link to in the notes in the, for the podcast uh, that is of only dissonant music. And if you listen to that, tell me it doesn't move your imagination towards a nice triad that you wish you'd played at the very end. Sometimes, as in that piece, the music never resolves. It can suggest, instead, moving forward after it's done. And let that happen in your imagination, your intention, or the next song. This is a good factor to take into consideration when creating set lists for your gigs or song sequencing for your recording projects. My next thought, lyric writing. Strong lyric writing in any genre often paints a problem situation and then moves the listener to resolve it, either during the end of the song or even after it. One of my alt-rock students and I discussed the dissonance of the lyrics of Pierce the Veil's Low on Gas and You Need a Jacket song. These lyrics are full of rage, and many of the lines don't make any sense at all at face value. She said these kinds of lyrics move her to stop accepting things the way they are. Pretty cool. After listening to Sarah Barrialis sing She Used to Be Mine about the distance between who you've become and what you wanted to be, it seems to me that you would firmly resolve to find your authentic way again. And I think that's one of the reasons people like that song. In Jennifer Nettles' song, Stay, the truly dissonant situation of being involved with someone in relationship with somebody else makes the lyrics lead to the phrase, I don't have to live this way, empowers the will to let go and move forward. Next thought. Great producers can use dissonance to help new talent create their unique artistic definition. Instead of just recording the songs the singer's familiar with or has written lately, you know, the producer will take the budding artist through a period of exploration, pushing the person's envelope vocally, lyrically, and musically. Wildly going to the outer edges of the person's musical boundaries creates a dissonance that will eventually, if you give it enough time and experimentation, resolve into a unique meld of music that best expresses the artist's heart, vocal talent, and life experience, and best focuses the career direction of that artist. Next thought, this is about vocal training. Because dissonance creates the desire for movement, it can be of great use in training the voice. I always say the voice wants access to movement. My students will recognize that phrase. When I get my students creating freer jaw, eye, and soft palate movements, it frees their voice to move in more nuanced and human ways. This releases tension in areas that has kept that student's voice stuck. Also, controlled dissonance can be great for hearing and singing with pitch precision. One of my more advanced pitch exercises is to have a student sing exactly one half step sharp or flat to a melody or scale that I play for them. It drives them crazy. It's quite the challenge, even to the expert ear, but it is a definite use for dissonance. 
In fact, all vocal problems, I would say, create dissonance. You need to be confidently delivering messages, but your throat hurts when you sing or speak, or you develop pitch problems or range limitations, or your speaking engagements are wearing you out. Enough vocal dissonance will move you forward to learn new technique and resolve the issues that your voice is having for your vocal health and vocal career. Another way dissonance can be used with the voice. This is a weird one. You're singing a song with great vocal technique, but it's boring. It's a strange dissonance that's asking for more dissonance to be able to move you and your listeners. This kind of dissonance asks you to consider some things that may be outside your comfort zone. You can try a moment of dropping technique, dropping your breath support, letting your throat channel tighten using gravel or other stylistic tactic. Then reapply your technique and resolve the grit into open vocal tone and control for an emotional delivery that can really take your audience for a thrill ride. I heard Bruce Hornsby do just that recently. He came out singing like a bird after a short section where he was kind of scratch talk singing like he had vocal trouble. Turns out he was just using dissonance to move the heart of the listener forward and it was quite effective. Dissonance can help with the music business too. You look at the landscape of the music business and see how things are not working the way they used to. Profit is not created the same way and music makers are struggling to find streams of income that they can actually live on. It's so unfair that creators are stolen from every day in so many ways. The dissonance must lead to creative solutions as the music industry continues to morph its successful business models. You can get stuck and give up or show up to learn what is different, what's working, and how to creatively structure your own music business model, which won't break your bank and will allow you to create the music of your heart. My next thought, your physical body can be affected by dissonance too in many ways. For instance, you eat something that your gut doesn't recognize or wish to tolerate. Your body resolves the issue with some sudden elimination, and then you can either keep your diet the same or resolve never to eat that again. I would say that was moving forward. Relationships can also be dissonant. You have a fight with a friend or a loved one. Everything inside you wishes to resolve the conflict until peace and relationship is restored. My next thought, cognitive dissonance can create spiritual and ethical issues. You claim a certain faith or political orientation, but you don't live your day-to-day -day life according to the values your faith or politics espouse. Your cognitive dissonance will make you feel numb, fake, fearful of being exposed, and unable to be true to yourself or to others. You can never fully experience personal happiness, contentment, and peace, nor the ability to fully trust others until your faith and your actions are in harmony with each other. You know, you can stay stuck or you can move forward, propelled by the discomfort of dissonance. My next point, 
History is chock full of dissonance, its consequences, and its resolutions. I can only imagine the degree of dissonance in society that led up to the ratification of the women's right to vote and the Civil Rights Act. South Africa's Nelson Mandela chose to take the dissonance of apartheid and move towards the resolution of reconciliation. Dissonance really can move us forward. The alternative is getting stuck in the chaos. And you know, one soul's dissonance is another soul's awakening. The deeper reason that I want to dive into the subject of dissonance is that I feel that there's a frightening degree of it in the world right now. And it's really tempting to buy into frozen hopelessness. It's hard to walk the fine line between sticking our head in the sand and being overwhelmed. I'd like to suggest that we use the energy of dissonance to make our music, to sound our voices in song and speech, and to join the heart of God to change the world for the better as we are moved to do so. I want to leave you with this last musical example. My husband, John, wrote a folk theme and variation for his composition class back in college many years ago. I'd like you to hear the end of one of the sections written by him and played by pianist Yasha Nazarian. I hope the last chord makes you smile like it does me. Now for your homework assignment, should you accept it. First, listen to some dissonant music. Whether you like it or not, ask yourself how it affects you exactly. Does it disturb or energize or otherwise move you? Assignment two, do an internet search for the term cognitive dissonance and explore that concept. I think you'll find it as fascinating as I do. And it may give you some insight that you haven't had. And number three, list where in your music, your voice, or your life that you are experiencing dissonance. How can it move you forward? Okay, this is Judy Rodman, and you can always find me at judyrodman.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, please leave me a review at iTunes or wherever you are. Thanks for listening. See you next time on All Things Vocal, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers. <laughs>